Well, first of all, this is not about me. I, I'm just thrilled to have the opportunity to be with you this morning. But it's really about relationships that we have shared, many of us, over the years. And, you know, really, when you think about life, all the stuff we may accumulate means nothing in comparison to the relationships that we have so valued and so enjoyed and the memories that have been built. Uh, I don't even know where to begin, to be honest with you. My brain has been swimming around ever since we got here yesterday afternoon, driving around town, all the various memories, all the various people. I realize we're a whole lot older than we were back when I was here, 1975 to 1992. And uh, there might be some of you that I'm not going to recognize, and you may not recognize me, but at least now you know what I look like because I'm standing up here with a name. And we're going to have name tags at the picnic this afternoon, so you're going to be able to kind of look at people and say, oh, yeah, 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 I remember you now. But we do change a little bit. We all do. But nonetheless, it is a great joy to be here. And I want to say, too, Pastor Jeff, thank you to you and to your team and for the people who have opened up your arms and opened up your Sunday for us to be able to come and do this. You know, it's interesting as you get older, you tend to reflect a little more, don't you? Uh, And social media has helped us as we think about, you know, I wonder whatever happened to some of the kids in the youth group. And you start typing in names, and you start to see people and where they might be, and then you start to reconnect. And you think, how cool that is to kind of be able to kind of reconnect a little bit. And the idea of a reunion kind of popped into my mind a few years ago. We, We think about high school reunions and college reunions, but what about church reunions? And so this, about a year ago, February, uh, I was down in Tennessee attending uh, Deb Vanderheiden's funeral, and Steve and Susan Miller were there, and Steve and I were talking, and Steve just kind of said, oh, a reunion, that would be so fun. Well, that was all it took. I said, Steve, we're going to do it. We're going to see if we can't get this together. So here we are. Now, let me just ask, how many of you have been attending Community Heights Alliance Church from 19, let's say you were in attendance here from 1975 to 78? that you go all that far back. How how many, if you can, stand? All right, we got a few. (coughs) Goes all the way back to 1975. All right, some of you obviously, and you can stay standing if you can, uh, some of you obviously go back even before 75, right? Some of you go back when Pastor Hoover was here, maybe even when Pastor Gardner. Any here when Pastor Gardner was here? All right, we got a few, got a few. How about Pastor Irwin? Yeah? Oh, my word. This is something. Okay, how many of you were at Community High Alliance Church uh, from 1983 to 1992? How many of you can stand and join us? All right, another good group of people. Great, thank you so much. So good to see you all, and I hope you'll all be at the picnic this afternoon. All right, now, now we can be seated. But you know, driving into Newton brings back a ton of memories. Um, I came here as 28 years old. I'm now 71 years old. So you realize a lot of life has been lived. And in 1975, when we moved here, we had 10 things in our moving van. I had a little U-Haul. I had ordered a 10-foot U-Haul because we figured we wouldn't even fill it with what we had. And I went to pick it up, and the guy said, you know, sorry, we don't have any small 10-footers, but I'll give you this 26-footer. And so I'm driving this 26-footer around. We had 10 things that were bouncing around on the floor, that 26-foot U-Haul, when we pulled into the parking lot back at the church that was over on East 12th Street South. And there were like 15 guys waiting to unload me. (laughs) 
And, and I'm, they saw this 26-footer come rolling in, and I'm thinking they figure we're going to be here for half the morning. And they pulled open that old back wall and looked in, and here, that's all there was. The look on their face was, really? Yep. <laughs> Kitchen table, two chairs, sofa, chair, coffee table, a bed, a dresser, a night table, and a table lamp. That was it. That was our earthly possessions. That's how it all started out. But boy, did we fall in love with Newton, and did we fall in love with the people of Community Heights Alliance Church in a quick way. Just seeing the servants' hearts of all these men that were willing to turn out on a Saturday morning and help unload the new youth guy. And then the youth of that era were just some special kids. I don't know how many of them are here this morning. I saw Shelley Langmead here just a little bit ago, and there may be others, but what a great group. And so many memories with these kids. I remember going up to the Boundary Waters, taking a few of them. Any of you kids remember that? We went, Chuck Stedham and Gary Vandalen were in my group. And one night, as we were camped out, they'd have 10 in each camp along the, the lakes that we were in. They snuck out one night. And they went over to another campsite where Kathy McWhorter and some of the kids that were in her group were, and they tied the zipper shut so that they couldn't get out of their tent. And then they lowered the tent, and this was at night, lowered the tent slowly down to where it would only be about a foot above their heads when they woke up in the morning. Well, unbeknownst to Chuck and Gary, Kathy was not asleep yet, and she sees this tent slowly in the silhouette of the moon, slowly coming down towards her. She lets out a scream. Chuck and Gary take off. I think Chuck severely sprained his ankle. And all the girls, you know, they're waking up, what, 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 and they're clawing around because this tent now has collapsed on them. And they're trying to get the zipper out, and they can't get the zipper up, and they're screaming, and some of the other, another leader and some of the kids came out, and they were finally able to get the zipper up, and uh, they couldn't find, they wanted to build a fire to calm their nerves, and they couldn't find the axe. They were convinced in their mind that there was an axe murderer that had come in at the quiet of the night, parked his canoe somewhere, and was lowering the tents and was going to take an axe and murder him. They spent the whole night singing songs around a campfire, just making sure they didn't fall asleep. Well, needless to say, Gary and Chuck had to confess the next morning, and they were duly given the privilege of portaging every canoe and every pack that that campsite had for the rest of the week. So it was, those are just some of the great memories of some of these kids who have turned out to be amazing kids, amazing kids. And then our, our college and career group. I remember so many of those kids that we just had such a fun time in that age group. You might remember uh, Dick Vaha, Gary Moore, uh, Luann Kelly, Karen Miller, so many, the Thomason girls, so many. We had a retreat one time, and I don't know why this sticks in my head, but we had a retreat one time, and we had talent night. And Dick Vaha and, uh, and Gary Moore did a hee-haw song. Any of you remember hee-haw from way back when? Yeah? And I was, where, oh, where are you tonight? Why did you leave me here all alone? I've searched the world over and thought I found true love, but you met another and you were gone. Well, they had a verse to that, and they addressed one of the girls in a group. Oh, Becky, they say that you are religious from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. Well, I found out that they weren't fooling. You even say grace before picking your nose. Now, I mean, come on. Supposed to be a spiritual retreat. But that's kind of how, how it was. They're just a great, great group of kids. So much fun and so many memories of these years that we're here.
You know, we were a youth pastor here for three years, and then we were up in Osage for five, and then came back. I remember uh, it was a difficult return from the standpoint that we loved Osage, and we had just hired Chuck Stedham, one of our youth kids who had graduated from Wheaton to come and be our youth pastor and also our, our worship minister of music. And so coming down here, again, was not really on our, on our list of things we wanted to do. But Clyde Wiley, who was uh, chairman of the board at that time, called and he said, Dave, would you and your wife be willing to come and candidate for the lead pastor position? The Bergens have moved on. And uh, I didn't even pray about it. I didn't even talk to Marianne about it. I just said, no, we're really not interested. Not the right time. And so that was that. Well, he called back about two weeks later, and he said, you know, Dave, we really, really believe that you might well be the man that needs to come back here and and take over the church. And I I said, Clyde, I I really appreciate that, but just have no desire to be considered. Well, anybody who knows me, and in fact, I want to take a moment. um, I think many of you know that my wife, Marianne, passed away in 2010. And God has opened a door for me to fall in love with another absolutely beautiful and gorgeous and godly and talented and special, amazing woman. And I want you just to have a chance to meet her. So Melinda, she's sitting here over with my kids. Melinda, would you stand? And and you'll get to see her at the picnic and stuff, but this is my wife, Melinda. I want you to meet her. But Marianne and I, you know, we just did not feel that leaving Osage at the time was a thing to do. But Melinda will attest to this, as Marianne would have. When I go to bed at night and go prone, I go out, and I just sleep like a rock. But all of a sudden, I was starting to wake up at night. Two, three in the morning, I'd wake up and wonder what's going on, and it was like the Spirit of God was saying, David, you haven't even talked to us about what your future is, but I want you to be open. And I thought, well, okay, Lord, if Clyde calls again will at least be willing to talk. Well, next day, Clyde called, and he said, you know, Dave, we really as a board believe that you should come down here and candidate. Well, make a long story short, we agreed. Figuring this, that we would come down, and they would see we're not the ones, and we would see we're not the ones, and we'd be able to go back and continue on with the vision we had there. So it's candidating weekend, 1983, February. I have small kids. My daughter's three years old. My son is five. And they're sitting in the old church. They're sitting on the second pew on the right side of me, Marianne. And Sarah is standing in the pew, and she's facing all of the people behind her. And she's smoking a pencil. (laughs) Three years old. And I'm sitting there looking at this, and I'm thinking, Sarah, Mary, get her down. I thought, well, that's it. No call from this. This is a PK kid. And look at the influence she's having already at three years of age. She must have picked it up from her grandfather. That's all I can say. He was, he was a heavy smoker, but that got our candidating off to a great weekend. Well, you know the rest of the story. God very definitely led us back, and we had some wonderful years here from 83 to 92 with some really great staff. And I'm telling you, I'm thrilled. I think I have seen Bill and Maria Adams sitting in the sixth row back right here. And I want you guys to stand for the folks that haven't seen you. But welcome to this great reunion time. So Bill and Maria. When Bill and Maria first came, I think it was about 1984, And we hired them as kind of a discipleship, uh, adult discipleship and pastoral care pastor. 
And Bill, Bill would come into my office every couple of weeks. He'd say, I got nothing to do. Nobody wants to talk to me. They all want to talk to the real pastor. Well, that changed in a hurry, and time, as time went by, Bill and Maria built an incredible ministry of pastoral care and adult ministry to our church family, and it's so good to see you guys again. Andy and Cindy also send their greetings. I talked with them a few months ago, and they would have loved to have been here, our youth pastor, but he had a wedding this weekend for his nephew, and they would not be able to make it. But for those of you that remember Andy and Cindy, I send you greetings from them as well. So memories. A lot of them. I remember EE. Some of you maybe went through evangelism explosion training. And I remember Danny and Connie Hodges. They were my trainees. And if you had gone through evangelism explosion, it was a way of learning how to share the gospel just in the way of life as you're just ministering to people. There's a couple of diagnostic questions. You know, are you sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? If you were to die today and stand before God and He were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Great questions. And we had a 16-week training time at that time where people committed for 16 weeks every Monday night to go out and visit with people and have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And it started out as trainees. You, little by little, you kept adding on more and more and more until you were eventually able to do the whole gospel presentation. And I remember one Monday night, Dan and Connie, it was their night to share the whole gospel. And we were in a home of a single mom, and she had a young gal, and uh, they began to share. And they did the things where you kind of find common ground and you ask the diagnostic questions and then you start getting into the gospel of grace and sin and man and God and all that was part of that. And they could not have messed it up worse. I'm sitting there listening to this. They not only got the cart in front of the horse, they tipped the cart over and lost the horse. I mean, it was absolutely like, this is, this is pathetic. I'm a horrible trainer. What are we going to do? And at the end of the presentation, you always ask the question, does this make sense to you? Well, they got there, and they said to this lady, does this make sense to you? And I'm sitting inside saying, no, this makes absolutely no sense. And this lady responded with, yes, this makes sense to me, and I want to ask Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. And right there, and I was so humbled. I was realizing, you know, when the Spirit of God works in somebody's heart, And be encouraged with this. Sometimes we fail to share our faith because we're afraid we'll mess it up or say the wrong thing or whatever. But there are a lot of people around us that are really hungry for something that will satisfy the needs of their soul, that will give them hope and give them life. And and it's amazing what you can do. Connie and Danny have gone on to have tremendous ministry. But it's amazing what the Spirit of God will do through you, even if you think you've messed it up. I don't know if they thought they did, but I thought they did. So anyway, memories, a lot of wonderful, wonderful times here. You know, as you think about all of this, our journey starting back here in 1975, you realize that life really is a journey. We're a lot older. And I came here with fear and trembling that I wasn't going to be able to recognize people. And I've recognized some, and I haven't recognized others And I want to tell you right now, I apologize if you come up to me with high expectations because we had a great relationship, and I might not remember who you are. I I am humbled by that. I'm sick about it. It might happen. But I want you to know, hey, I do love you, and I want to reconnect. And as our day goes on today, I hope we have an opportunity to talk with all of you at the picnic throughout the day. We're going nowhere. We're here till the sun sets. And so uh, we can just have a good old time reconnecting. But it is a journey, 
And a lot of things happen to us on the journey. And we start out with our dreams and our hopes and our expectations and our anticipations. Uh, Most of us, as we're growing up, look forward to the day when we're going to be married and have our vocation and have kids, and we we have this fairly idyllic view of how life is going to go. But as we age, we realize life doesn't always go the way we thought it would. In fact, for many of us, and all of us perhaps, can say that life hasn't gone the way we thought it would go. That there were things that have come into our lives that have been extremely difficult, very, very hard. We've had the ups, we've had the downs, we've had the joys, we've had the sorrows. I would say from all of us who from 1975 to 1992 were part of Community Heights Alliance Church, we have gone through some very, very difficult times. And my life, no different. When we left here in 92, we went over to Omaha. It was difficult to move my family. And then to find two years later that we had to move again, and I had to put my kids in another school in another state. Very, very difficult times. I looked at some of the trials that have come through with our families, some of the times where prayers just were not being answered, for things or for not having things happen and the various things that that still came into our lives, even to the point there where in 2010, my wife Marianne, who had had cancer in 2002, breast cancer, now was diagnosed in 2009 with brain cancer, a glioblastoma multiforme, which they basically said, there is no medical hope. And I can remember taking, and she, she wanted the elders to come and pray for her and believing that God would heal her. And I remember the elders laying hands on her and praying for her. And she got sicker, and she got sicker, and she went through some treatment of chemo and radiation to try to give her maybe six more months. She wanted to live through Christmas of 09 to have one more Christmas with her kids, watching the demise, watching the pain, watching the suffering. My wife, Melinda, also went through that with her husband, Bobby, who had colon cancer. And you come to that point where they die. And I know there are many people here that have faced that kind of thing. I think of Joanne Carson. One of the first painful experiences in my youth ministry was her son Ron being killed in a single car accident on the way home from school, and then losing her husband Archie, and then losing her other son Steve, and losing her only daughter Trish. And you just sit there and say, man alive, this is a tough road. And I remember after Mary died, there were weeks when I would cry at night in bed and just say, God, why did you have to take her? Like Tevye and the old Fiddler on the Roof thing. Would it have spoiled some eternal plan if you just would have left her on earth for 30 more years? You have all eternity with her. And you don't get answers to the questions. And you realize that the journey is just not always the way you want it to be. And I know there are people here. You look at life and you look at the road and the journey you've been on, and it's a mixed bag. And you're hoping that there's maybe more joy than there have been sorrows, but maybe not. Maybe it's been more sorrows than it has been joys. Maybe your heart's been broken over a child who's really gone through some tremendous physical suffering. Or maybe they have got into stuff that is just ruining their lives, and there doesn't seem to be anything you can say or do to correct it and change it. The drug epidemic has hit so many families today. 
And maybe you've got grandchildren that have gone through tremendous physical maladies, deformities, pain. Maybe you've had a grandchild or a child that's been burned. I can remember pastoring here, and I know this would be true for Pastor Jeff and any pastor, the number of times that you enter into people's lives that are going through crisis, and your heart breaks for them. Larry Nickel and a little girl, Krista, her mom, Debbie, Larry's wife. Debbie dies. Krista gets burned. She's in a burn unit. All of this happening around the same weekend. And you know, there's are times you just say, man, life is tough. The journey. I love A.W. Tozer, and if you've read any of his books, you've probably seen this quote. But it is one that has been emblazoned and etched into my brain because it is just so powerful. But he says this. He says, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God is the most important thing about us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 is a powerful verse. I love it because it seems so central to everything that will go on in our lives. It says, He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder. That He is a rewarder. That He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. What we think about God is the most important thing about us. And if we come to the Lord and to get on the journey, the right path is the path with Jesus Christ. It is the right and it is the best path. But I also recognize as we read those words, he who cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that this is not just a cradle-to-grave kind of view. Because the truth of the matter is, as we live life, So many of the things that happen to us are certainly not rewards. They might be rewards for misdeeds, perhaps, because we often feel that we get according to our kind. If we do good, we get good. If we do bad, we get bad. But the simple truth of the matter is, and we've seen it in the Scriptures, that even the most righteous of people have had difficult things and hard things happen to them. So this whole aspect of being a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, I hope we have a view of that says, wait a minute, it's got to be something more than cradle to grave. In fact, it is. It's cradle to throne room. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, I want us for a moment to just look a little bit at the life of Abraham. He was called by God. Now, what you know about the back story of Abraham is that he was from Ur of the Chaldees, and he had a brother, Haran, who died, and he had another brother, Ahor, and Haran had a son named Lot, and you remember his story from Genesis. And Abraham's father, he brought them out of Ur, and they settled in a community called Haran. And there they stayed. Now, at some point... God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave, and I want you to continue your journey. You left Ur and came this far, but I want you to continue your journey to the land of the Canaanites. Now, what did Abraham really know about this God? 
We don't have a lot spelled out for us in the Scripture. But one of the things that is important to us, that I think had to be important to Abraham, was, all right, God, you're telling me you want me to uproot and move and take everything I have and move to a land that I don't know anything about. I've never been there. I don't speak the language. I don't know the culture. You want me to do that. Why should I trust you? Why should I trust you? If I do all that, uproot my life and move all the way down there, why should I trust you? So I think one of the first things that Abraham had to do was get to know this God and get to know his character. Because once we have confidence in the character of God, then we can trust God in the midst of our circumstances. But that's where it began, and that's where it began with Abraham, and that's where it begins with us. That's why it's so important when A.W. Tozer says, what we think about God is the most important thing about us, because if we think about God as a God who is indeed trustworthy, and we can put our faith in Him, and we realize that this God is perfect in all of His attributes, that He is a God who is all-knowing, He is a God that is anywhere and everywhere at the same time, He's a God that is all-powerful. He spoke, and everything that exists, exists because of His Word. He is a God of perfect love. He is a God of perfect justice. He is a God of compassion and kindness. In Him is no flaw. In Him is no whimsicalness. In Him is no treachery. If this is the God that we say, yes, this is my God, this is His character, this is who He is. I can trust Him. Then we put our faith in Him. And I hope this morning that all of us, as we journey through life, and we come through some of the burps and the bumps and all the various things that happen that are really not what we would want or envisioned, that we have the kind of confidence in God's character that lets us put our faith in Him. And we may have those times where we question, say, God, I don't understand, yet will I trust. Basically, faith is this. We're putting our trust in God in all things for all time, no matter what. And we may have our ups and downs, and we may have our questions. I question, God, why did you have to take her? My heart was broken. And if you've lost a spouse, you can understand that. And all the questions, but through the process of grieving, there was still this, God, I don't know why, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you that your will for my life did not end with Marianne's death. You're still at work. The circumstances were different than I would have wanted, the pain I never would have invited, but I'm going to continue to walk with you. That's what faith really is, our faith. So I hope this morning we come to that point in our life where we really do have confidence in the character of God, and that we can trust Him in circumstances that maybe we just can't figure out. Because the situation is this, He is rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Again, what does all that mean? Now, when we look at the story of the life of Abraham, we often think of him as being obedient to God, leaving Ur of the Chaldees, coming down to Canaan. But I will tell you this, 
Abraham, though God blessed him with riches, did not have an easy life. When you read his story, you recognize he went through famine. He had to leave what now was his adopted home and go down to Egypt. He was scared to death that his beautiful wife was going to be conscripted by the pharaoh of Egypt to be put in his harem. He was scared to death for his own life that they'd kill him for his wife a couple times over. He ended up coming back to Canaan when it was time. He ended up losing his wife, Sarah, whom he loved. He had no city of his own. He lived in tents as a nomad. He couldn't have kids. All the challenges that he faced. And when you read his story, you think about all of those things, but we may forget something, that Abraham's relationship with God led him through all of the journey of life because he had a vision for something, a city whose architect and builder is God. You see, his faith in God was not going to be determined by just the things that went on in this earthly journey. It was going to be in what God was providing for him as a reward for his faith in the life to come. Look at the verses. In chapter 11 of Hebrews, which uh, I think all of us at some point or another have kind of said, yeah, that's the faith chapter. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. All of these various things. By faith, Abraham. Abraham gets the most press of anybody in this chapter. He gets 14 verses. And it talks about a variety of things. But you know what the most verses refer to? Listen to this. By faith, Abraham, whom he was called, this was uh, in verse 8, when he was called, obeyed by going out in a place where he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. And go down to verse 13. All these in faith, having without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on this earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they have been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them." This was Abraham. This was the fathers. This was Jacob and Isaac. It isn't just about what goes on in these 80, 90 years of our lives. It's not just a cradle-to-grave experience that somehow God is going to reward for our faithfulness. Because we are going to go through tough times. We will see wonderful answers to prayer, and we will also see disappointments that just God didn't come through. But we have a vision. We have seen through the promises of God what awaits us, and that is a city whose architect and builder is God. You see, that's the reward. That's the payoff for all of our faithfulness as we go through this life. And you know, in verse 6, 
it says without faith it is impossible to please Him. How would you answer the question, when is God most pleased with me? Well, from this verse it may be when we have faith. That's true. And when does our testimony of faith, when does our witness of faith shine most brilliantly? Is it when everything's going well and the sun is shining and we're blessed and, oh, life is good? Or is it when everybody would expect us to curse God and die? You remember, Job, the story well. He lost his family except his wife, which he probably wished he had lost. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost it all. It was so bad, his wife finally turned to him and said, Job, curse God and die. Get it over with. But Job said this, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Why? Had tremendous faith in the character of this God. So our pleasing God, if you want to know, how do I please God? By faith. And when is God most pleased? When He allows the hardest things in life to come our way, and we're able to say, God is good. God is good. I would never have really understood that had I not walked through that journey myself with my wife's death. I was teaching a leadership class at our church in Ohio, and as I, after Mary's death, and I processed a lot of things, I remember saying to the men in that class, I can't really describe it. I can't explain it, and it seems totally incongruous, but I have a deeper conviction of God's goodness now than I had before I walked through this journey. God is good. And you know what? I didn't think of it at the time, but I almost now reflect back and, and feel like God was saying, yes, your faith pleases me. And that kind of experience puts a smile on God's face, on God's face. So this morning, I want to just encourage you. We have a city whose architect and builder is God. It is our reward for eternity, and it's coming our way. And can I tell you something? We're not going to expand on all the beauty of heaven and all of what eternity would be like. You can do that on your own, But you know enough to know this. Heaven is an amazing reward for faith. Our faith. To just come to this God, realize who He is in character, and trust Him with the circumstances of our lives, looking for that city where our reward will be complete. Be encouraged with that this morning. Because as I look around, I see Shirley see George, I see so many folks that have gone through deep trials and changes and things that they never would have invited. But in faith, they continue on to glorify God. And I'm grateful to every one of you, those who are in our youth groups, those that were adults, that you have continued on through the thick and the thin, the up and the down, the good and the bad, the hard and the easy, continued on in faith and let your light shine. So may the Lord bless you all, each one. Thanks for the opportunity of sharing this morning, and 
Hope to see you all at the picnic this afternoon with name tags. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity again to just be with people who entered our lives and meant so much to us over the years. The opportunity of joys together and with, with marriages and babies born, as well as the sorrows, the funerals and the sicknesses and the surgeries and the accidents and all that were there. And we're so young, so time in our faith, we're, we're often very young and demonstrating it, but God, you've matured us. We are older. We've walked the journey, and we believe with all our hearts in your goodness and in the fact that you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for all that you are doing in us. We pray you'll continue to glorify yourself here at Community Heights Alliance Church in all the years that come. Your blessing on Pastor Jeff and his family and all the leaders and workers here, servants of the Lord here at CHAC. Lord, may your kingdom be expanded through this ministry and those that have come from many miles away that have come to be part of this day as they return home, Lord, and let their lives be used in, in wonderful and special ways to keep bringing you glory and expanding your kingdom into the lives of others. So we give you glory today. We worship you. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.